All right, hello and welcome to another episode, Two Dumbbells and a Microphone. I'm Joey Dussel. I'm DJ Moore. Today's episode, number five, and our topic for today is a hierarchy of health and fitness. So this will be talking about what to do first, or what might be a little more valuable, or in what order you should tackle the big project of health and fitness. Let's be clear, this is our philosophy, what we've come up with over time about the hierarchy. This is not necessarily what others will say, but this is over the years where we feel we've determined should be the kind of the order and the type of people that this order works for best. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, um, built on experience and also on a hypothetical person. So, of course, any individual will need to modify this based on the problems that they have or the challenges that they face um, or the things that they've already achieved and the things that are already going well. And so this would be a, a hypothetical framework, kind of giving us a chance to talk about why things are positioned in the order that they are. And then maybe you'll know a little bit better how you can adjust that for yourself. Yeah, because everything has to come back to the sustainability of whatever efforts you're trying to do here. Exactly. Right? We could offer all this advice, and if it was the perfect situation, these would all be great for you. But we know clearly that not all situations for us people are, are ideal. And so while we want to give you the ideal hierarchy, we know that there's going to be some modifications you're going to have to do on your own. So exactly, we'll try to help you out as best we can and clear it up. Yeah, your mileage may vary, but hopefully with knowledge of why we're choosing these things, you can make those choices for yourself. Cool. Let's bring it up, man. Lead us in. Cool. This is yeah, kind of your baby, it. and I love the fact that you have it on your computer right there, just broken down. Yeah. Uh, listeners can't really <laughs> see this, but Joey's got it all color-coordinated and subcategoried, and it looks just... It's a great spreadsheet, man, by the way. You do a really well, good job you. of that stuff. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. I try to always give a, a visual so that people can uh, hopefully, if they if that's how they learn, they'll be able to connect with this. So for those of you that can't see because you're just listening, I have a graphic here on my computer. It's kind of a flow chart, a lot of bright colors, and it has all of the components of health and wellness sort of laid out in this, again, this theoretical order. So we'll roll this into the uh, video podcast. And if you're just listening, Maybe this is your chance to, to go check this out on YouTube and to watch these video podcasts. Yeah, you know what's surprising me? I'm going to let uh, listeners know. I didn't know you were going to put this on YouTube. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, me neither. Uh, but we've oh, been doing this, so, so we got it. <laughs> me neither. Okay, good. Yeah. Good. I was afraid that at some point you told me you were going to do this, and I just forgot, which is like me at some point because you give me lots of information. So sometimes I, f I forget. So I'm glad that you yeah. told me it wasn't, it was kind of spontaneous, spontaneous. Well, yeah, the, um, the original plan was just to have sort of that like time lapsable footage and kind of show people that we were making shows, okay. yeah. but, um, we're getting pretty good at this and all of it just worked out. So the sound was nice. The video was nice. The lighting, um, you know, the clapper board helps with that. And so, that kind of stuff has all sort of trickled in to just make the footage of episode zero just totally good enough to, I think, to publish. So that's already out uh, by the time people are hearing this. And if you're watching now, you probably see that we are in a little bit different environment. So we have a, a bit of a different background here. And maybe the sound is a little different, but hey, it's we're a, amateurs and we're figuring it out as we go along. I'm not a professional. I'm not trying to be a professional. I got professional words to say, but doesn't mean I'm in the best chair or the best room. It, it doesn't matter. It's like, I'm, I'm just happy we started. This is the yeah. most exciting. I don't <laughs> care if I'm sitting on a bucket, dude. That's the this truth. is exciting for us. Yeah. That's part of what I like about it. You know, we're right here. Uh, this is my home studios slash live stream slash workout space. So we're on a workout bench. I have a couple of uh, buckets filled with sand and rice that are piled up here to be my microphone stand. Cause the delivery has not arrived yet. But, you know, we're here, we're doing this. And the reason that we keep bringing that up is because we want people to be encouraged to participate in their own workouts or nutrition planning or whatever you're doing for yourself uh, imperfectly. Participate yeah. imperfectly, get started with it. The things you do at the beginning are not going to be the things you build up to. Uh, and that's just the reality of it. With podcasting here for us, with workouts for many people, that is how you're going to feel when you begin. Yeah, I think this message really resonates every time we talk. We're saying that again and again almost every single episode is that it's not the perfectness. It's just getting started. Yeah. The hardest part. 
Um, and you know, I did say this to you before starting uh, mm-hmm. setting this all up. I wanted to start this off with something a little different than going just right into oh, information. Yeah, hit me. Just something like I call happy news. Uh, when I turn on the news, I, I really actually don't turn on the news much anymore because of the unhappy nature. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to flip it today and just give you something happy or inspirational for you and about my life and why I do what I do. So recently I got back into snowboarding after a 20 year hiatus. And so back on the mountain again, you know, and Saturday was epic. The best powder, the best runs. It's the best I've felt on the board in so long. And I felt, and I hope this comes across, man. I felt like I was 10, like a kid. Mm. So enjoying the moment, even though it's so physically hard to like, you know, go through tree lines and, and, and powder and it takes a lot of work and effort. Yeah. Um, but the, the joy that my heart had mm. from just weaving in and out of trees and, and, and getting splashed and, and, and with all this powder was so childish and so great and I felt so good inside and I wanted to encourage people because th- th- this is my play. Mm. I, I work out and I do my body in a way so that I can play. And so now I, I, it was just this justification of saying, why do I do what I do? What's my purpose? Is because on Saturday, I got to enjoy the best snow that that mountain has seen in years. Mm. And I got to do something that I haven't done in years, which is weave between the trees like a maniac. Mm-hmm. And I love it in like waist deep powder. Everybody's going to be like, yeah, we love that too. Yeah. It sounds fun. It is. Abs- well, <laughs> yeah. for me, it's absolutely a joy to be able to physically be able to do that. And if I wasn't taking care of myself the way I, I, there's no way I could have done what I did for as long as I did. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I just want to share that. I know that this has that positive effect. Doing something with your body like I do will yield to playing. And I think we should be able to play. I think it's missed in our middle age. Oh yeah, absolutely agree with that. The, uh, the, The playful spirit it's something that is so rejuvenating when you participate in it yourself. Uh, I, I think, you know, for myself, and I've heard this from others as well, you tend to do a lot more physically than you ever would in a workout or a day of work, um, but not even feel it in the moment because you, you're usually you're completely enthralled by how it feels to just mm-hmm. be doing whatever activity. And so for you, it's snowboarding here with this example from this weekend, but that ability to be fit enough to like punch your own ticket into participation for what you enjoy. It, I think it's worth it because you're the one that derives the enjoyment. And so it's, it really balances the, the hard workouts and the laundry and all that it, stuff. It makes the workouts make sense. Yeah. It's, uh, I know that I'm talking to a group of people and I I'm focusing on that kind of middle age band of people where mm-hmm. we stop playing because we know if we play too hard, we might get broken. And it's oh, like, yeah. Oh no, 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 no. I want to reverse this idea of like, yeah. no, I want you to play. And then maybe you will get broken when you play, but we'll be able to play again soon because we've taken, taken care of our bodies enough to heal. Yeah, right? you got to stay durable. I'm always at risk at doing what I'm doing. Dodging trees is not something that you should just do right off the rip, but I had a lot of years of snowboarding prior to that quit, by the way, that 20-year hiatus. Okay, I had yeah. a lot. I was curious. Obsessed. Yeah, Obsessed, right. dude. So it's a return, definitely. Yeah. And but so, you know what? There's something to that, like, I think with the with snowboarding and for myself with martial arts yeah. and for other people with other things, I'm sure, you know, yoga, everything, there is, like, an amazing meditation sort of thing that happens when you have such focus on one activity and it's to the absence of everything else. And so usually it's moments where it's kind of high stakes, like, you know, ripping through the trees or combat in martial arts sparring in our sparring sessions, but there's no time in your mind for bills or budgets or drama with your spouse. And so you have this sort of natural meditation it's almost like it's forced on you by the situation but i think that's something that is so important for your body um you get a reward from it it feels oh, absolutely really good. Uh, they, yeah. like uh, we can refer to it like maybe it would be like a runner's high yeah flow we've, state we've, we've heard people say this runner's high and that's when you know when i'm weaving through the trees like that and coming out you know clean and, and making it down to the bottom it there's this euphoric survived <laughs> yes there's like yeah. ha take that yeah and then there's this oh man my my quads are burning like mm-hmm. and it's like 
oh yeah, but I'm gonna sit on this chair for another two minutes as I go up, and I'm gonna be I'm gonna get off and be ready to go Recovered. again, yeah. again, yeah, and do the same one. That's so. important too, you know, because there's like a there's a sadness that comes when your life gets smaller and smaller as you start walling yourself off, like you mentioned, for a fear of injury. Yeah. If you're worried about getting hurt, which is totally valid and yeah. rational, you know, I think if a person has that perception, it's because they're correct about it. Yes, they are. You know? And if you're, if you're strong and durable, then you don't feel that way as much anymore. And it allows you to be a little more uh, uh, able to start on stuff or to return to activities. I can take greater risks with my body because I know my potential. I know what it will do mm -hmm. physically. Mm -hmm. So that's why I, I, I go through trees. Yeah. And you know, as you say that, I think I'm going to add a, a segment here or at least a small portion on my hierarchy that includes tumbling and falling <laughs> as part of the, uh, part of yeah, the evolution yeah. of body weight exercise that a person needs to go through. I also skateboard and yeah. that's cement. Keeping yourself safe from injury mm -hmm. is definitely a skill and it can make playing actually a lot less worrisome yeah because if you have those uh sort of like a trapeze artist with the net underneath you're like all right i'm not gonna hit the ground it's okay if i make a small mistake i'll try the triple flip and yeah. catch it <laughs> yeah. instead of only staying on the bar yeah i love it well that's that's just the kind of the that's happy cool. news man yeah, i like know, it it does really reward you in more ways than one and we're not talking about fat loss or muscle gain, or anything like that. We're just yeah. talking about the reward of feeling like you're a kid again. I'm so glad you brought it back to that because I, I had kind of forgotten, um, but I wanted to mention that it, it's uh, your description of a snowboarding weekend and how that feels for you is not something we can photograph as a before and after. It's not yeah. measurable on any kind of scale, um, inches, you know, nothing. And so I, I think it's really important to showcase that even fitness trainers who are obsessed with that as our lifestyle still value the outside of gym activities and what those things get for us. Absolutely. And if your trainer doesn't do anything else but work out in the gym. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying, okay, I don't want to be rude. I mean, flag maybe. maybe it's a red flag. I might have been that way when I was young as an obsession, though. I don't know. <laughs> True. Well, then maybe this is a word to those who are that are like that. Yeah. Hey, man, take that body of yours and go do something, go do with, something it. with yeah. it. Yeah, preferably something new. So you have yeah. to learn a That's new That's what skill. I picked up young, skateboarding something new. five years ago because of that idea. Yeah. I said, well, I can squat a lot of weight, but who cares? We'll have to put that in as a podcast, man. What else, what else can this body do? All right, so let's get to this hierarchy. I know, yeah. Already we, 12 minutes We in. had a little bit of a, uh, of a detour, but I think it's an important thing. And, you know, the fact that it's part of the content is because it is important. It is important, please. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's keep in mind what you just shared, DJ, as we talk about this next part, because it can get a little bit, uh, can get a little bit of like a TED talk and we don't want it to be that way too much. Uh, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> so we'll go back and forth on this. But uh, again, I have this graphic here on my computer and it's a little bit difficult to read all of it. But the main bullet points are that at the beginning, that the start of the, the hierarchy of health and fitness for this theoretical person is nutrition. I think that this comes first because of a couple of reasons. Number one is the frequency. Three times per day plus a snack, that's more than we go into the gym. So nutrition is going to be more often a component of our health and fitness than the workouts will be. You're going to be, you're going to be hungrier in the day than you are craving a workout in the day. That's true, yeah. There's yeah. sort of a different motivation where exactly. the body is going to give you appetite for food, but it's not necessarily going to give you appetite for the iron in the gym. Yeah, and that and that's okay. I mean, we understand that. And I don't know if a lot of people really grasp that concept about how much nutrition should be on your mind. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it comes up more frequently than you're really maybe realizing. Yeah. I eat more than three times a day. That's yeah. That's the other calculation you can do that. This actually could be more frequent than just the three. Yeah. But the other side of the nutrition is that there's also a kind of an imbalance on the time, which is that it takes tremendously longer to burn any amount of calorie than it does to eat that number of calories. And so if we think about it just from kind of a, uh, harm mitigation, it's so much easier for us to avoid ingesting 250 calories of whatever, and it is for us to go create 250 calorie of deficit by, by working by, out. Yeah, by movement. Right. Yeah, you know how yeah. long it takes to work off of that little small Dorito bag? It's yeah. 240 calories. I, I know these numbers off of these bags all the time. Yeah. You know how long it takes to burn 240 calories? Whew. Man, and, and I'm, I'm in shape. Burning off 240 takes a while. Imagine if you're not. 
I think it's that. about like about a hundred calories in a, uh, for running a mile. Yeah. And it, it varies, of course, by body type and how much body you have to move for that mile. Yeah. It's going to be more expensive for DJ than it would be for me. Um, but the time it takes to eat a hundred calories of pizza is going to be way less than the time it takes for you to yeah, run off the, those calories. And that's why nutrition yeah. is so important to focus on. I think that's why we as coaches and, and, and I'm not a nutrition, like I'm not a dietitian. Let's right. make this very clear. Yeah, that's a good reminder. Um, scope of practice. Yeah, here. I, I, I understand nutrition quite well. I understand how to lose weight, how to gain muscle. That's all obvious. I'm not going to give you exact numbers on how much protein, carbs, and fats you should be eating. I would give you rough and based upon your lifestyle and sure. other, other same elements, calculations but, we make for ourselves. But yeah, I think truly this is one of the hard parts for people to to really grasp is it's so fast to eat calories. Yeah, and you and you in a blink of an eye, and it's not their fault too. Sometimes these companies put these packages out there and they make these serving sizes so small. Mm-hmm that you don't even know. Like you could look on the back of a package and realize it's only eight of these chips. Yeah. And you're like, wait a minute, just eight. Right. But the packaging is small and they show you, Oh no, it's little bit. Mm-hmm. And so it's so easy. It's to over. Yeah. It's yeah. very misleading. Right. Or on the back of cereal, you'll see it's a, it's a one cup serving. Right. Which and is like way less cereal than most people eat. You by accident yeah. dump in more than that. And right. so I agree with this nutrition being why, you know, most people make their better changes when they start with the nutrition over the exercise, mm-hmm. because you're right. It's the amount of times you're going to have to eat. And if you do that right, you will change. Well, you could change rather rapidly if right. you diet right. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of the, the third pillar of why I place nutrition at the very beginning, which is our own body's hormonal response to the food we eat. Uh, and this is something I always just make pretty clear to people by saying like, Think of this. If we had a 2,000 calorie diet that's made up of meat and vegetables and nuts and seeds versus a, a 2,000 calorie diet that's just entirely Sour Patch Kids candy, straight sugar, Ooh. how are those two going to affect your body? Now, obviously, they're both 2,000 calories. They're exactly mm. equal in how much energy they provide your body. But the way your body responds to you putting Sour Patch Kids into your mouth over and over will be different than how your body responds to various different macronutrients, right? Proteins, fats, and carbs. And so we know that it's about more than just this math equation of what uh, amount of food goes into your your mouth. It's also about how your body's responding. And so when we make subtle adjustments like swapping some protein, or excuse me, some carbohydrates for some proteins, or getting some more healthy fats, those are just these subtle adjustments that I think belong in the first position because if we're working out if we're doing a great program if we're getting our mentality right and we're sleeping it's all going to be undercut by the nutrition not being quite right so i place nutrition in the first the first position on this hierarchy i like that position because it does it does it rings true with me too i I, there's going to be some other people who say differently and that's fine as well um but in our setting and what we're talking about, I believe that this is the what we should focus on first. Number one, yeah. Just it, it, skip going to the gym for a minute. And I know people are like, wait, what? No, yeah, actually don't go to the gym. Just focus in 100%, right, on just your nutrition and watch the change. Yeah. I, I'm, I know this is a hypothetical moment right now because nobody's going to really do this. But if you did, if you did... It would be amazing what would happen to your body. Not not just just what happened to your body, but how you would start to your brain would think because you're getting the right well, you're getting the right foods that produce the right chemicals which trigger the right responses. Yeah. And so therefore all the things in your body start firing better. You become better at thinking and speaking because of the foods going in is better fuel. Yeah. And so it not only will your body change. Base. You got to start with this for your for it, your own self. It's so yeah. key. Yep. Yep. Food and how your body receives it is huge. Yeah. Good job, Joey. That's okay. Great. Cool. Thank you. And I'll tell you that uh, as the final the final nail to hold this one in is that um, personally, and this is the the advice I give to people as well. When everything else is not happening, i.e. you're not working out, you're not stretching, you're too busy to take your mindfulness time, your sleep has been whatever, for whatever reason, you still have to eat. It's not negotiable. And so it's something that we sort of, it's a battle we have to win more often than 
the others. And so when I'm stressed, when I'm busy, when I'm in finals week or I'm in my crunch time at work and I'm not able to make it to the gym, I'm going to double down on my strictness and properness of nutrition because it's even more important now with the absence of the others. And it can never be an absence itself because, again, we just we can't not eat. Cannot eat, man. But we can we cannot go to the gym sometimes. Not that we should, but sometimes it happens that way. Yep, I agree with that. Cool. All right. So then the second one, and this is what I do with everybody and for myself as well, is rejuvenation. And so as we kind of walk our way down this waterfall flow chart, we go from nut- uh, nutrition first and always to rejuvenation. And this is focused on range of motion through your joints, quality, pain-free range, uh, range of motion for yourself and being able to move your own self and always with this active idea. And so not just someone stretching you and, and putting you into a pretzel, but you being able to do it yourself. That's key. You yeah. know, that, uh, there's a, there's a company that does this for you. I think you used to work for them, right? Yeah. Yeah. You go in and they'll, they'll do your own assisted stretching, assisted stretching, yeah. which is, I, I'm not, I don't disagree with. There are people who probably really do need this Yeah. and it's viable, but I agree. I'd benefit from it too, but I prioritize yeah. the active range of motion, especially in this phase, because we get this body awareness that comes from yeah. moving ourselves. And that's going to be a critical skill for the, the flow chart that is yet to come. And then also um, you have this knowledge of exercise that we start laying the foundation right now. So the rejuvenation movements will be, for example, um, holding a split squat stance. That's like a lunge, right? One foot in front, one foot behind, not moving up and down, just holding it. Static. Exactly. Not moving. But while you're there, the brain is sending signal to those muscles to activate in that specific pattern with each other. And then also uh, we get that practice of movement. So you're going through this and you're getting the way that you're going to be when you have a load. One day it'll be a kettlebell or a barbell or a small child, but we still need to be able to do that from our current position. So we start laying that right now in our rejuvenation. All right. Yeah. And I'll just take it from there. You can go for it. Yeah. yeah. Do what you got to do. Well, because let's make it a little bit more clear like this. Like I want, I'm starting my clients off with mobility and flexibility training. And I think that goes right into that rejuvenation is where I'm prepping the body for the next set of movement patterns, i.e. squat, chest press, or, or you know, like push up. So the actual exactly, movement yeah. of the joint up and down to concentric, eccentric motion. But rejuvenation for me is that mobility. Can, can my hips, back, neck, anything be in those actual positions? Well, will my will the flexibility of my muscles do that? And if they can't, why would I be teaching you to squat or push up when your shoulders or hips won't go into those positions because they're impinged and tight? Right, right. Let's let's open those parts up, tendons, ligaments, and muscle tissue, and let the body be able to like move first. Yep, we and, have to be able to move ourselves before we can start with external objects. And I think people get this exactly backwards. We even call it like, what did you do at the gym? Oh, lifting weights. Well, what about (laughs) lifting yourself? Okay, well, what about preventing yourself from falling? That would actually be the first. And we're getting a little scientific here, but there's a difference in the way your muscles are tasked when they are working either to create movement or to resist movement. That's right, yeah. Yeah, and so holding a plank or holding your chin over the top of a pull-up bar is going to use your body slightly differently than it would to move up and down. That's right. So at the very beginning of rejuvenation, we actually focus on anti-movement stability exercises. And so we'll hit the core, we'll have a squat hold, we'll be in whatever range of motion we can hold in the pull-up. And those have a profoundly rejuvenating effect on the body because there's blood flow, there's muscle activation, and that's going to be something that I think sets a great foundation for long-term success. And it, and it actually sets a low threshold of pain, too, because of these, yeah. these positions. The body is actually able to handle those better than these full range of positions right away. Right. And this is where your clients become really sore all the time because you're putting them right away through these ranges of motion that they're not ready to do. Mm-hmm. And so and they become excessively sore sometimes, which we want to yeah. avoid. Or I've always tried pain. to avoid. Or having joint pain, you're correct. Yeah. And so I like you're right. It's these positions that I think are key, should be keyed in first, and no one's really talking about it this way. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's refreshing to hear someone say, "Hey, we don't have to squat with dumbbells right now. Yeah, we've got a whole list of things before. 
this car is broken, man. We need to fix it. So let's do the first fixings that we need and then move on. Yeah. I like it. To that point, DJ, it's like, you know, this kind of thing is to, usually it helps people to kind of get back to where they should be. So a lot of people are probably listening and saying, okay, wow, yeah, I have an injury or shoulder pain from the computer or whatever. Yeah, we, we would like to go through rejuvenation, but this is also the hierarchy to start someone off. So if I was taking my little nephew to the gym for the first time, I would talk to him about the importance of eating before and after his workout. We would go through rejuvenation type movement patterns because I would want even his youthful and inexperienced body to be exposed to anti-movement, static contraction first, body awareness practice, building the knowledge of exercise, and setting up those habits. Well, rejuvenation is, it doesn't, it doesn't have an age. Mm-hmm. It, it works for all ages. That's a ages. great way to sum it up, yeah. Why, why, why differentiate? Yeah, yep. I, would, I still do these things too, and you do these things, yeah. and we're years apart from each other. Yeah. So it would make sense that you would take you know, a young child and show them, I would too, I would take a young yep. child and show them these things first, Things that I didn't do first. Yeah. Yeah, me neither. And, and and I love that you bring that up because, you know, as we talk about this and I show this graphic, it's definitely not to say, like, look how important personal trainers are. Well, look how much we know. This is why you need to, to get us and hire us. Instead, I want you to have this info for yourself and just be able to use it like I wish I had when I was younger. And I could have gone through these phases. Yeah, hey, properly. young buck, put those weights down. You need to yeah. do this first. You're gonna blow out your shoulder. Try this. The next time you go to the gym, if you're if you're lifting weights and you know bent over row, pulling the weight from low up to the side of your torso for the muscles of your back and shoulder, can you hold that weight at the top for one second each rep? Three seconds, five seconds, maybe one workout a month should be you instead of doing twenty up and down. Holding it at the top for 20 seconds. I do this kind of stuff. Yeah, and I do too. too. Yeah. And yeah. if you find that you need to develop your strength there, you will do nothing but benefit from filling in that gap. Yep. And that's, again, coming back to this hierarchy, I think that the fifth stage will be better for a person if they've fully expressed oh, yeah. the first stage, if they've gone all the way through these different patterns well, and, and followed this hierarchy. So when we share yeah. this, it's to maximize what you're going to get from the big, sexy barbell weightlifting, even though we're talking about body weight anti-movement. Yeah, that makes well, sense. this is the, one of the problems we've, we've had as trainers, you and I, mm-hmm. is that the culture out there shows the, a process that's different than this. They show the 30, 60, 90 day approach where they're trying to get somebody to lose or gain as much as they can in such a short amount of time. And this process yeah. is not shown like we are showing it. It's a microwaving effect. Yeah, it's, They're trying to get dinner done really and, and, quickly. And the people that are watching it are fooled by this process. They're thinking it is like this. And we're telling you, no, it should take you much longer. And it's okay to take much longer yeah. because the reward for this going through these steps will be absolutely far greater for you. And, and we know it will be because we've screwed up the process for so long and finally refined it to a process that we know will work for you. Yeah. That's true. I screwed it up before. Learn from ourselves yeah. and from our clients. Yeah. And so as DJ is saying, you know, if a person is able to go through and have this kind of buildup and they get more from the later phases and it's slower, I think that that's actually, I would say, better. And Whoa. I always use this as an example with the people. You know, I, I kind of think back to my high school frenemies who were stronger than I was and mm. lifted more weight mm-hmm. and maybe continued to lift more weight in college. Mm. And then... Now, do not lift more weight than me because my slow and steady and technically perfect progress has now surpassed them since they got injured. They've always been a little bit off on their technique of the deadlift, and now it's finally caught up to them. And so the slow, proper process ultimately gets you much further along than you will if you get derailed by an injury. And nothing derails your progress like an injury rejuvenation is all about trying to prevent that to keep you from having something happen. I think if you're going to, if you're looking into being a personal trainer and a coach, I honestly would have done this myself. Had I would have known about mobility and flexibility training. And if that would have been a course, that's what I would have taken first. Yeah. Great. Because now that I know this stuff and and have years of research and doing it myself. Oh, it's just so much more vital than the dumbbells and barbells and squats and, and all these other yeah. things. I was like, oh my God. Yeah, that's so true. It was a very enlightening moment when I realized that 
the reason I actually feel as good as I do is because I actually do way more mobility than I've ever done in my life. Mm-hmm. And, and stretching. Too. At the very least, you get yourself out of your way because you no longer have those tightnesses that are restricting yeah. you. And then I think the last thing with this rejuvenation type of, of mobility, flexibility, and movement patterning workouts is that this is also your pre-flight checklist, where if there's a movement pattern that is provoking pain, then we are absolutely not going to load it with external weight, fatiguing reps by repeated effort, you know, confounding factors like a balance ball or whatever. We don't need to make it worse. And if it's going to be something that troubles us, I want to find out with you as a client, or I want you to find out for yourself in the earliest phase, right before the plane is off the ground. That's right. That's what we're looking at with, with the rejuvenation. So if you find something that is provoking and causes pain, this is the time, right? And now we can make a hopefully a small compass adjustment that yields a great result later rather than working on something and then needing to do a big change later. And we've seen that, right? Yep. People who have developed their bench press, but they've lost their posture. So their powerful chest is pulling their upper back out of position. Now they have neck pain and it's like, okay, well, if we had strengthened your back along the way of strengthening your chest, you would have that big bench and no back pain, no neck pain. Yep. So get this stuff at the beginning because it pays for your pays for your uh, good results later it's on. It's okay not to lift weights right away. Mm-hmm. We're giving you that permission. I think it's better to not yeah. lift, yeah. Yeah, we'll cool. give you permission not to lift weights. All right, so back on the chart here. First is nutrition. Second is rejuvenation. And we've talked about what both of those mean now so far. The third, the third piece is durability. And this is where we purposefully find some of those weak points, maybe in the rejuvenation process, and we're building them up, putting armor on those areas. Probably we have known injuries as well that we need to strengthen as well. So we'll have some stuff that is dedicated, maybe asymmetrical because your left side is not as strong as your right. So you do extra on, on that weaker this side. Is, this is with every client that I've ever had. Yeah. And, and the, again, this is what I would do with the hypothetical. So my, my young trainee who has no problems and no, no trouble at all, He's going to go through durability because if he's a baseball player, I know what he's going to face when he's playing. We're going to do extra for the shoulders. That's right. And whatever your sport may be or your activities of daily living. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Cool. All right. So focusing on muscle balance and strength symmetry, beginning some cardio intervals because we want to lay the foundation for how our heart and lungs can recover us from hard efforts so we can do another one. And in a workout or another uh, workout in a day, we're also going to start increasing the intensity and the pace of exercise bouts. So now we're starting to get something that feels a little bit more like a workout, more resistance training where we're challenging ourselves, but still the resistance is your own body. Yeah. These are, this is the point where you, you actually start a little bit of sweating and you're breathing a little bit heavy. Yep. You'll feel these. Yeah, and you, and you may get a little lightheaded. Yep. Um, and, and these are the kind of the newer feelings that you're going to get because the taxation. Yeah. But I think it's a brilliant idea to take that cardiovascular step within this section Start right here. here. Yeah, because I, you know, I, I, most people that come to the gym for the first time, guess where they go? Cardio Right machines. to the cardio equipment, man. Yeah. It's just like bang right up in there. Yep. And yeah, I'm not mad at you for starting right there because it is an easy entry into being in the gym and not mm-hmm. looking foolish. It's just to get on a treadmill yeah. and walk or steps and walk. Nice and slippery. And nobody's going to really you know, know if you're good at it or not, whatever pace you are. However, within this durability, what we'd like to say is these are going to be those moments where we want you to get taxed to some degree. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad you brought this up. We have to hit the challenge zone where your yep. body has a reason to become a bit better than it currently is. And so if you go to the gym and, and you, you don't do a little more than you're capable of, then your body has no reason to start to become stronger or fitter. Yeah. So we do have to get into that. And in a sense, we set it up this way with these first phases coming in. And by this time, your body already should know how to move and be capable of movement. So it'll be much easier for you to do in these situations. However, I, Keely, I think, Keely, in this point, that cardio should be one of the ones we push hard right here. Yeah. Because yep. I think you'll get a large bang for your buck at this point with the cardiovascular. Now, whether how you do it could be controversial. The methods, the timing, get the methods, the and tool. The timing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because... And we can get into that, I think, in a future podcast. Yeah. But what I want is that um, there's there is that cardio component, so that we're starting to exercise the heart and lungs, and really the delivery of oxygenated blood 
to your muscles. Now, if you're doing steady state cardio, you get this great circulation of blood and and um, fluid throughout your entire body. And that by itself is really beneficial. Now, if we can get into some cardio tools that maybe challenge us in some other modalities, we can get some extra benefits. But I also really just care about your system getting good at moving fluid. And then when we are pushing ourselves in the later on workouts, you're going to recover more quickly. And that's going to get us into the next exercise a little sooner. And that means we start getting a little more done in the 60 minutes that we're inside the gym walls. So we're already laying the foundation for those killer workouts that people tell us that they want, but are actually set up maybe five years earlier by cardio intervals. And I, I say that like a little hyperbolically, but for real, the good workouts that get compliments and that people notice us participating yeah. in are only possible because at some point in our careers, we have spent time in each of these phases. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This layout's to, just the best way to go through it. I, yeah. Well, one I, of my clients, we used to, I, I've done her workouts online with her for the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I remember when we started these things, she would do an exercise and then she'd have to lay down for a few seconds to recover. Oh yeah. Great example. And then she would, you get up and then she'd do the next exercise and then I'd have her just lay down and mm-hmm. recover. And so we went through this for quite a while, this workout, recover, workout, recover. Every single was a recover. And then I started to point out to her, it was like, well, you're getting through one round without doing any of this recovering. And then it was no two breaks. rounds and then nice. it was three rounds. And then there we yeah. go. Yeah. And then four rounds. And now when I hand her something, there's no breaks. Usually she's just right to it get it done. And then I give her a break after we get through our, uh, our session. So that's cool. And it's, that's it right there. That's a great example. We slowly of built yeah. her up and it was work, break, work, break, work, break. So smart, man. Yeah. And then eventually no break at all. It's all work. And that means that she's getting more rounds per workout, more, more results per sweat session. Actually, it she's, really she's working difference. out less she's we're actually now to the point where we're working out less time yeah there you go so because it's so compressed and condensed into this yeah. one just keep going keep going then now i can spend more time with her working on her uh cooling down which is doing more mobility foam rolling there you go man using cool. the, the peanut lacrosse balls and stuff like that so now we're working into this next phase of really good working out for time and then spending time healing our body Cool. After we're done. So I, I think it works. She well. earned the rest. Yeah. She I sure love does. That. Yeah. yeah. Cool. All right. So then once again, back onto this hierarchy, I have as my fourth phase, the volume accumulation phase. And this is more free weight exercises, more challenging cardio intervals and increasing the number of repetitions per workout as we prepare to, pre- uh, to prepare for the next phase. And so this volume accumulation, if I say a little more about it, is really meant to just occupy that space where we need to grind in the fitness realm. Once you've got your patterns, once you know how to move, there's just a certain amount of like time that you need to spend on these crucial movement patterns. You'll be goblet squatting with a kettlebell for a while. And that could be a few months or a few years. And I think actually, like we've been talking about, the longer you spent on goblet squat, the better time you'll have when you make it to barbell squats yeah. as an example. And so this volume accumulation is that phase. This is where you're going to do workouts with hundred plus reps for the legs, you know, maybe 150 reps for the upper body. You're still moving with good pace and control. So your joints are safe. Your heart and lungs is powering you to recover through these higher volume sets. And you're just kind of getting like, what would they say? Notches in your belt, right? You just have to do that work because we can't get to the heavy stuff or the fast stuff too soon your body won't be capable of handling those forces that are coming if it hasn't spent a good amount of time right here in the grind and uh, just to make it clear for those who are listening we don't actually know the exact amount of time that you should spend in each one of these sections mm-hmm. yeah because it, it is it, it if you can't qualify quantify it i don't believe it's just something that's intuitive I can tell when working with my clients when I'm ready to push them to you know 15 reps or 20 reps or add another five because right. I'm, I'm with them in person. So I know when to push them. So, But if you're trying to do this on your own, I know it's hard. When do you do this? And so this is why we're kind of bringing it up now. These are some of the things that may take years to get to. Right. And we're only in what? You said volume accumulation. Fourth yeah. phase. Yeah, yeah, just the fourth phase. Now, 
it's okay for you to take your time when getting to this. And so we didn't put a timeline on it. And I think that was smart too. Yeah. On purpose. And I would even add to that, that a person could stay in any of these phases indefinitely. Oh, if they wanted. Yeah, sure. I mean, I don't, I still do my rejuvenation. Yeah. I still do my durability stuff. That's always included in my life. Yep. And then, you know, in the next phase, I'll describe strength. If we're getting under the barbell, you know, just hypothetically, my mother does not need to get under a barbell. She's going to stay in rejuvenation, durability, uh, volume accumulation for the rest of her workouts. And I think that's perfectly appropriate. I have a couple of clients that I will not do that. For, I won't do with a barbell. Right. Because yeah. they're at, a, at an age and no need mm-hmm. to do that thing. Also, some people's training preferences or equipment that they have just precludes the use of certain gear. Like if you're a college right. student and you don't have barbells in your dorm room, well, how are we going to do a body weight only fitness program or a backpack powered fitness program? We're going to lean on these principles of volume accumulation to make sure that you still maintain proper joint safety, good technique. You can stay in that phase and you can continue to derive the benefits of it without moving on to strength. But I'll always position a volume accumulation period before I would put someone into true barbell strength. Yeah, that's fine. And I know people probably get this a little bit confused maybe with volume accumulation. You know, we, we can say we can add an extra five pounds and somebody would say, well, isn't that just adding strength? That's not really what we're what we're saying here, right? I'm glad you do this. It's a great specific definition. Yeah. yeah. So the volume accumulation, as kind of an example, is like we just we need an athlete to be familiar with what the bottom of a squat feels like, for example, by being there maybe two thousand times. And if they're there in some some medicine ball um, squat to toss, they're doing some goblet squat with the kettlebell. They're doing some pause squats. They're doing some box squats. I want you to know exactly what the bottom of a squat feels like and what a proper squat feels like on the way up and down so that when you're under that barbell squat and you've lost your balance slightly and the bar path has deviated, you know it and you know you need to bail out and you're going to dip the bar and, and be able to safely move because you recognize that it's an incorrect squat. Well, how can that recognition happen? By... Volume accumulation. Volume accumulation. You got to know what it's like when you do X, Y, and Z exercises yep. so that one day when something's a little not right, you can say, no, my back doesn't feel very good. I'm not going to do any more of those. I'm going to go home today. And that's how you avoid a, a big back injury. Yeah. Right? And so we need those qualities in a hypothetical athlete before he or she gets their most out of strength. And so the volume accumulation is meant to, to give you that sensation of you know what's right and wrong because you've and done so many feels, of these right and, yeah, yeah. The, the build the grip strength in your hands and really learn what oh okay that's proper posture i thought i had good posture and then i i did a few exercises and now i feel like i can stand up straighter okay glad we got that before we put extra poundage on the bar on your back because i want you to stand super straight when you have a bar right so that's what we're doing with volume accumulation yeah and again you can stay in this phase forever. stay there yeah if you don't want to get into the next one uh, then you don't have to but here's what we do for ne- uh, for the next, which is strength. This is like we've been hinting at the, uh, you know, typically shows up with the barbells, but it doesn't have to be. It could be sandbag. It could Ooh. be having a single kettlebell with super concentration reps. Kettlebells. Yeah, but we're going to see prolonged eccentrics with heavier weights. This is going to be stuff that's beyond our own body weight if we can, um, focused on large time under tension with those heavy loads. With, so with body actual real, uh, cause we talked about this uh, body tension. Yeah. Right? The body needs to be under these sort We're of really going to be compressed, compressed moments. And, and like squat, you bring squats yeah. up and that really does it. Yeah. Even though, you know, it, it doesn't look like it. Sometimes if you're holding a, a kettlebell, you're closing your fist or you're really clamping down. Like it's a, a briefcase with your last $10 million. You're going to be holding that fist so tightly. And that's something that a really skilled coach can see sometimes if it's a visible muscle like the forearm. But for the core, if a person is standing there 30% tight or if they're 100% tight, you can maybe hear it in my voice a little bit. We have to know what that feels like in our own core. So when we get under the bar in strength or we grab that kettlebell or we do our sandbag carry, we can find that core. We can activate it to 100 and then we can stay safe and effective in the workout that we're doing. Yeah. Cool. This is this is the type of strength that we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, and I know it's like it's, it's not you bench pressing 315 pounds or squatting 500 pounds. It's not that's not what we're talking about when it comes to this type of strength. 
I mean, that may be your goal. That's fine. I'm not sure. Gonna take you yeah, that's the really visible stuff. Yeah, I'm glad you bring that's, that. It's up. not the number that we're talking about here. It's yeah. the it's the type of lift and yep. what it, the lift does for the body that makes it strong. Yeah, for your aunt, it could be taking this light dumbbell, not even ever a double digit dumbbell, but just being stronger at putting that up above her head so that she feels confident and safe putting away her dishes. Yep. I work kitchen. with uh, one of my clients on overhead yeah. holds. Yep. And yeah. so that athlete, older person, you know, she's going to be doing prolonged eccentrics. That's really a slow lowering phase, purposefully taking a long time to let those weights come down. So she has extra time of tension on her muscles, but it's not going to be barbell strength. It's still strength and it still fits in this phase without being correct. Barbell, okay? So correct. really I want people to take home the, the concepts that we're playing with here. Trying not to confuse people more. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and, and this is a great opportunity also as we get into this next one. It's kind of a split in the flow chart. And I think it does a good job of distinguishing kind of the, the nebulous around resistance training, weight lifting, circuit slash hit training, and the fact that we're, okay. we're kind of doing sometimes like a, a kettlebell deadlift might be in a circuit class, but it's not a strength exercise if you're doing 20 reps in a minute as fast as possible. Right. And then running over and jumping on a tire. That's a different type of workout. And that's what I want to get into next. So okay. again, with yeah. the hierarchy, the hypothetical hierarchy, I want someone to go nutrition, rejuvenation, the durability, volume accumulation, then they build their strength. And now that we have this person who's got a lot of characteristics that are really beneficial, he or she has an opportunity to make a choice. And the choice, yeah. I think... I like split. this choice, man. Yeah. So you're now ready for really either one of these two big buckets. The first bucket is bodybuilding. Okay. And this is routines that are on muscle isolation. It's usually we're sculpting the body, focusing on what it looks like and kind of size definition, exactly, symmetry, yeah. um, those type of things. Very visual over, right? over accentuated, uh, muscle body. Yeah. And so the best bodybuilders have insane strength, great mobility, of course, perfect nutrition or as close as they can get, those things are already checked off if they're going to get the most from their bodybuilding routines. Yeah. Right? Right. And we know the guys with the biggest bench presses do the most on their tricep extensions if right. they're doing their bodybuilder or tricep day, right? So we want to be strong before we get into bodybuilding routines, even if your goal is is not to have the, the big barbell strength. We still want barbell strength so we can do the best at bodybuilding. Yeah. Okay. And the same concept is at play for the other half of this bucket, which is what I call metabolic conditioning. And that's where we tend to move our own body or external weights, typically at a faster pace than a bodybuilding routine would entail, with a, but usually in a more full body. Yeah, variable manner. body movement patterns. Yeah, so different if, implements. if bodybuilding is like you know, muscle fatigue on isolation, this other side would be muscle fatigue by, by full body use. By full body use and lack of oxygen. <laughs> yeah, typically. Yeah, routines yeah. focused on uh, full body, high intensity workout demanding, high skill preparation, mental toughness, and typically power, which is the speed of your strength. That's right. And then your cardio capacity, which is kind of like how fast you can refill your own tank or, or how big your well, tank is in the first place. That's right. Yep. Yeah, and those two, those are just, and they are highly different from each other. Now, yeah. it does not mean... And I know you said this. He's like, this is where you have to choose. And I'm like, wait, hold on. Do you? Maybe. maybe can not. you do a little bit? Can I do a little bit of bodybuilding one day? And then one day do some metabolic? You certainly could. I certainly yeah. can. Yeah, yeah. We're not saying that you have to actually pick one of these two because I participate in a little bit of bodybuilding. I do a little bit of both too, yeah. And then my, but my more, my, my favorite stuff to do is more in the metabolic conditioning area. It kind of lines up more with the sport nature. Yeah. Full body use. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm constantly doing that stuff. In the bodybuilding gym, you typically have a bench supporting you. You're doing things to isolate a single muscle. In the world of sport and snowboarding and martial art and everyday life That's in right. my house and garage, I'm using my whole body. So, But I, I can choose between these two because I've done the nutrition. Yeah. I've done the rejuvenation, still doing it. I still do the durability. I still do my volume, and yeah. I still work on my strength. And so when I'm ready to do and change whatever I want to, I can. And that's because I've put in the other phases first. Yep. Now, to be truthful, this is not how I did it. Like I, these me neither. Are, I didn't go in these steps. <laughs> yeah, I wish I had. I, yeah, me too. This is how I would guide someone through. Yeah, this is what we're saying. This is how we would guide you now. And yeah. I would prefer, 
maybe at the young stage, I wouldn't have wanted this because a little bit of vanity. I know, yeah. Strength. It'd be hard to hear this advice. It was yeah. so hard, right? Like, no, man, I just want those muscles, dude. Them chicks yeah. like muscles. And you're like, no. yeah. If but somebody had me doing Cuban rotations, I would have been like, no, I want delts. Give me shoulder yeah. muscles. Can I just no. do some shrugs? I didn't care that I could barely turn my own arms, you know, yeah. but I'm telling you that you should if you could. And, and so, I would argue, too, that, like, let's take someone kind of hypothetical, like, uh, you know, CrossFit. Uh, participant, right? If you're new to CrossFit and you cannot lift a hundred pounds over your head, then a workout that has like a 95 pound overhead presses is probably like off limits to you. Cause you can only maybe do one and then you're going to need to wait for a while and maybe you can get a second and you know, maybe. It's, it's yeah. So what you can, okay, sure. Bring the weight down. So now you're pressing, let's say 65 and you can do a few in a row, like the spirit of the workout. But I would say to that athlete, well, let's roll you back through this progression. Let's make you really strong to the point that you can press 135 over your head. And now when you come to that workout with 95, you're getting more work done in the 95 than you would lifting it as a 65 pound barbell. So a strong athlete does metabolic conditioning workouts at a higher level than a weaker athlete. I'd, I'd love to hear what um, the professionals like, uh, like football, baseball, you know what? What these trainers are telling their athletes to do nowadays, as far as the, the, um, the rejuvenation and mm-hmm. the fixing of the body, because you know these yeah. a- these professional athletes, they're you know paid millions of dollars, and so it would just make sense for the people who are taking care of their bodies to be making sure that they're healing and fixing their bodies right. just as much as they're putting under all these pressures and strains, yeah. and so if those professional athletes are doing it, and we know it's really good for them, we actually know it's going to be really good for you too. Yeah, know. that's a good point. If they do it when the money is behind them, then we should do it for ourselves yeah. too. Yeah, and of course they've got multi-million dollar people helping them do this, but that makes no difference. They're still doing it, and we believe that this is the way they should do it. And I'm going to continue to preach this as long as I die because this is this is. I wish I would have started with this way back. I've had to go backwards so many times to fix something yeah. so that I could get on to the next thing. And it's would have like, been oh, so much better to yeah. just not deal with that. But we want to make sure that you guys hear this, and then maybe your next coach and trainer that you're you're picking will, will sound more like this. And and we're not saying if they don't, it's okay. We're not right. I, I don't. This know. is a big topic. We've already talked almost an hour, and yeah. we still have one phase to go oh, here. Let's do that first. You know, I think that at, at this part, you know, once a person has gone through these these uh, phases and they've built up their hierarchy, they've they're getting the most from their participation and. You know, if they're going through these phases and they get to this point, I think there's a bit of a decision point that a person has to make to prioritize one style over the other to get the most out of either. Because if you're yeah, constantly okay. in between, you're going to just be half of both. So I, I do like people to kind of commit to one side, at least for a training cycle, right? Fine. Be on it yeah, for maybe yeah. some years mm-hmm. and then come back into it. Because sometimes you metabolic conditioning, you're doing CrossFit for a while, you're getting great results, and then you kind of get a little tired of that, you can gravitate towards some bodybuilding for a while. You can build up some of those weak muscles, maybe the things in the chain that were the the problems. When you come back to your metabolic conditioning workouts, I bet you move faster, feel better, and get more yeah. from those sessions because you've bounced between these two. So they're not mutually exclusive because they benefit each other, but they're kind of in parallel and you can't be on both rails at the same time. Yeah, and I and I'm I'm I agree with that too as okay. well. You could stay cool. in, in, in do one of these phases and actually learn from it and go back and forth and back and forth. I I don't do the same stuff all year round. You, you've mm-hmm. heard the term periodization training, maybe. Right? I mean, I have. I don't know if they. Well, have. okay. So I, and I am kind of sort of talking to you. Yeah. You've yeah, heard yeah. of it, right? Sure. Okay. So I do that same idea of periodization training, but much different than the books tell you to do that. Because I have so many years under my belt of doing these other things, I can switch back and forth to many different types of things. Because I have that years and years and years and years of experience of being just in one phase. Right. So for the audience that doesn't know, periodization would be this, a plan, right, that's set out. Usually multi-phase can be as long as a year, longer for an Olympic athlete, where they have these dedicated periods where they say, hey, now we're focusing on, for example, strength. After 12 weeks, we'll switch to power. From there, we'll go to competition skill or technique, right. strategy. And now we know here's your finals, so we're going to taper down what you do in the gym because you're competing in the tournament. Or, you know, I'm just making this yeah, yep, up. But yep, you're right that's on. for a person to have 
uh, you know, basically a plan it, that goes it's a through schedule. It's a schedule of events that lead yeah. to, to an ending. And, yep. and since, and that's how I've been doing it. And unfortunately, most people's period, periodized plans are like 90 days to whatever small <laughs> change on your body. And it's a little too short. Because we, we haven't even really had the time to get saturated on any one That's of right. these phases. And right? since I, I speak more to the middle age crowd, you have less time mm-hmm. right now in your middle age to make these changes happen. Yeah. And to have at least a physical change, it's going to be much harder for you. Now, you can have a feeling change and a mind change and a body change feeling. But as far as shape is concerned, the longer you wait, the harder it is to have that shape change. So it's critical now, you know, being my age, it's like, well, I do everything I can to maintain where I'm at. This is perfect, man. It's like you and I know each other because that's the next phase right here, maintenance. (laughs) Oh, it is. Hey, right on. (laughs) Okay. So I I say this right here. One, uh, move to maintenance once you've had your fill of the results of both bodybuilding and metabolic conditioning training. So I think get get the best of both. Take all the parts you enjoy. Make your own cream of the crop workouts that you've uh, created from a lifetime of participation. And by this point, you should have a great uh, mental knowledge of what you need to do every day when you just walk into the gym, what you feel in your body or what you do when you, when you do your own workouts or physical activity during daily, daily living. Those things should be like pretty familiar to you, just like a lot of other self-care chore routines are. By the time you're an adult, you should be really good at brushing your teeth, cleaning your body, Tying your house, shoes. preparing, you know, all these things. And so let's let's add in nutrition and, and health and wellness as well, but let's actually make it a teachable curriculum so that this is something that you feel like you can get better at, right? And just like we were young, yeah. driving was this like ordeal, right? Backing out of the car after buckling in and all the what gear and okay that and now you can do it with one hand while you're sipping coffee and trying to think about what you got to do today and that's because you've developed proficiency i think proficiency is the number one fitness advantage excuse me uh, advantage that fitness professionals have we are so darn good at proper squats and workout structure and fueling our body all those components of fitness that's through these phases and these the time phases, we spent. Yeah, yeah, years. What did I say on one of the, it was 36 years that I've been doing this since I was a 14, 37, almost 37 yeah. years. No, 36, yeah, to be exact. Mm-hmm. So that's a long time and and, and, and that's okay mm-hmm. to take that much time and you're like, yeah. oh, good I job. I think we should all try to plan to work out for our whole life. Until they put the casket lid down, yeah. dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it. that's it with maintenance. You know, Here we have at the last phase, which is revolving training for strength and joint mobility, minimizing gym time, gym time, by trading it for life experience. So at some point, I want you to stop going into the gym to lift weights and to start doing stuff in the real world that gets your muscles tired and burning and, and gets the same stimulus. Go snowboarding. Yeah, snowboard. Participate in wrestling or you know do something yeah, fun. Yeah, do the jujitsu. Be able to be the grandpa who can get down on his hands and knees with the kids at, at the grass yeah, and yeah. can play a little bit of wrestling, you know? And yeah. And get that fun time in there and understand, and I think this is the really the take-home message here, understand that there is a point in your fitness career where you will start doing twice as much stuff just to get half the result you used to. (laughs) And eventually, you're going to do all of that again, and it's going to be just to keep yourself from getting worse. And I say this not to be like detrimental or to make you feel upset, but because if you've arrived at that point, it's like a massive pat on the back. Because it means you've gone through all these phases and you've worked until you're like a little old elderly person who eventually is just trying to get himself able to lift those plates to the top shelf. And I know that that can sound kind of like a detrimental blow, you know, like all this weightlifting and personal records and the fun things we do. One day we're going to be reduced to frail old people putting away dishes. No, that's not how I want you to look at it. In fact, we want to target that old age and we want to be able to die as late as possible with that nice graceful aging until the last minute. And I think it yeah. comes through these phases and a, and a real commitment every single workout to staying in the routine until you're in your nineties. And if that means going home early, cause it stays safe, you don't get injured. I'm always in favor of that. Yeah, I'm always right. Like, yeah. I think that's smart because I care about you getting four sessions this week, 200 sessions this year, and then a decade, two decades, three decades of workouts. That's where we really get great results and then lock them in as well. 
That's it, man. It's cool. not a it's not a thirty, sixty, or ninety day program. It's a lifetime program yeah, that will take years. you years, and it sheds light on what you're probably seeing on social media about how fast and the things you can take to speed things up. I'm holding quote fingers now. Yeah, air right? quotes. Air quotes. Just it's like you know, stop. And I think this is one of the beautiful moments for us to tell people how this is why we're saying this. It's very counterculture to what we've heard so far. Yeah. Is that we're saying slow down, take your time. There's some steps before the steps being told, and it's yeah. okay to take those steps so that way in the end, when you are of those ages, we know that your body is prepared and ready to take on those old ages. Yeah, man, uh, absolutely. I agree with you because I love that you can do such a good job of just summing up what I take 10 minutes to say. You do it in one <laughs> in one sentence. So let's end it with that. I think it's our longest podcast ever, uh, but yep. I feel like we've also talked about maybe the most useful health and fitness that we've ever covered. You know, This is a big topic to have a hierarchy and, and, and lay out all the components of health and wellness and what order a person should go through them. And while we've been talking about it and, and bringing up these hypothetical athletes, those are people that we've actually drawn from real life. Yeah. People we know, clients we've worked yes. with. So they're hypothetical, but they're realistic. And I hope that they can give somebody, even if it's just one person, uh, a little extra motivation and a little extra spirit into their next workout, whatever workout level that might be. Yep. That's all I got to say, man. Cool. I mean, all right. Well, well, until the next episode. Yeah. Thanks for being here with us. Episode five, the hierarchy of health and fitness, what order everybody should go through, or I mean, anybody should go through everything. And uh, with that being said, thank you for listening this long. Once again, two dumbbells and a microphone. See you next time. See you next time.